great. Got the ad. That's the hit. That's fine. Uh, I'm gonna say the whole thing. All the um, audio. Hey, hey, everybody! Thanks for uh, joining us on this lovely Tuesday evening. You are listening to the Crowd Radio, presenting um, all the latest security news and. Interesting topics that don't talk about. So I think I said it right. Uh, I'm joined here by. I'm gonna go from the top and. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, uh, I'm Skid, uh, Rails developer into InfoSec stuff. What's up? Hey. Raid, we are introducing ourselves right now. Just want to say hey. Hello. <laughs> now, Pike. Hi. Hey, I'm currently fighting stuff right now, but hey, I'm not Pike. It's all good. Hello. I'm present. <laughs> Oh, I can hear it. Hey, what's up? I'm Woody. We have not Dan here, but I'm not sure if he can hear us or not. He has the um, Colin Bridge he's going through right now. And we have Faith. <laughs> Let's keep going through everybody, I guess. Yeah, no, I'm here. Hi. Hi. And Solid, what's up? Hey, how are you? Hi. Good links. Oh, yes, and also here, so... I don't know how you forgot me. I'm literally <laughs> next to you. <laughs> so, we also... I will put this as my as my name, my nickname. Wait, how do I put my nickname? Uh, my gay ass is here. Right click. Oh, okay. So here we go. <laughs> this is you plus links plus Hermit. All right, so we have three people on this voice channel here, and we're going to be going through everything as normal, but we're just a little bit closer together. Uh, all righty, so I guess you guys want to start off with the uh, topics? Everybody have the topics list? I'll post it again in our little chat here. And where's Craze, by the way? No, hi, Decoder. Hi, Decoder. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's up? Hello. All right. Hello. So, um, let's get right into our uh, our first topic here. So, did you guys see this? Uh, there is jaywalkers under surveillance in Shenzhen that will soon be punished via text message. Did anybody read this article? Brit. I did. I saw it, um, but yeah, uh, I mean, basically, this this whole thing is that there are a bunch of you know, there's a lot of surveillance infrastructure in China, and basically anybody who goes through any intersections and is jaywalking or caught jaywalking will be punished via text message uh, that will be sent to their phone um, saying that they were jaywalking. It's 
it's terrifying. It's the arbitrary. That it has on you, like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm always being watched. Yeah, it's like you're getting. So it's a it's a slippery slope. I think there have been several experiments done uh, to demonstrate how human behavior changes, uh, specifically if they're under the guise of whether or not they're being watched or not. Yeah. No, it's very true, because, I mean, it's just like we were talking about before with the threat of, like, metadata or information disclosure on you. I mean, it can kind of be held over your head. Like, you know, we see you jaywalking. What other arbitrary, you know, minor crimes that you commit do we also see that you could get in trouble for? This ties into that horrible uh, social credit system that they're developing. I'm pretty sure that was an episode of Black Mirror, but now they're making it real life. Yeah, it's really, I guess it's, I mean, this, this falls into the next category of this, of this uh, I mean, the next topic that we have here, which is that the U.S. seeks uh, social media details from all visa applicants. And um, I'm going to have, if you guys haven't been to thugcrowd.com yet, I'm going to be having uh, some more, um, or all of our show notes posted on here, and I'll try to post them into the chat as well. But um, yeah, here's some. The info we have just or the article i'm just reading now so yeah um basically the u.s so i don't I see how this is really enforceable yeah because i mean how, if how, i come into the country um are they going to believe me that i don't have a facebook account because i don't yeah they're going to look you up and especially if it's another uh language that you speak i mean does everybody know how to speak you know every character set and type people's names and different regional nicknames and things it's pretty uh, interesting fine well i think we should just i think it might be a dangerous precedent um if <laughs> sorry that's our hold music is leaking through here hey nux did you server mute him or just regular music? i just muted him that doesn't mute it for everybody no but it means it for my audio when i'm writing oh you good um, all right, so <laughs> I guess we should just get into the other major ones that are pretty much all all the other topics have to do with uh, breaches that have happened this week, and it's been quite a week of breaches. So the first one that we should talk about is the um, Sachs Lord and Taylor uh, like card data breach. Does anybody read this article? You were so bad at homework. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Um, I mean, basically, there was just uh, evidence that there was millions of cards that were compromised um, that were through Saks, Avenue, and Lord and & Taylor, and it's just another data breach. What's up, guys? Sorry I'm late. It's like the hey gift that keeps on giving. Hey, Nick. Um, so the other one we have, too, is that the Under Armour uh, MyFitnessPal had... Um, oh. Sorry. The the other one we have is the Under Armour says that 150 million MyFitnessPal accounts were hacked. Hell yeah. Million. It's just kind of like the uh, Fitbit one as well. This article, the Panera Bread article, mm -hmm. is like the gift that just keeps on getting. I know. We're going to talk about that a lot later. It's like Christmas again. 
So what topic are we on right now? Um, right now we're talking about the Under Armour um, MyFitnessPal breach that just happened. So basically it was just a bunch of usernames and email addresses. Um, it doesn't have any other PII either, but it has like, you know, your fitness app data. Um, Does that include tracking stuff? Um, I don't think so. It's not as bad as the other, the Stratus one, or what is it? I forget which one it was um, that happened recently. Did anybody read about uh, Brian? Well, the linked article says that password hashes email addresses are included in it. Probably. Yeah. Um, did anybody hear about the people from, um, what's the image board uh, program that donated 120K to cancer research after uh, Brian Hebbs wrote about CoinHive? Yeah, I thought it was a really good article that demonstrated how a community of people um, can come together to get behind a good cause. No, oh, definitely. It's pretty interesting that they they use that as like the fact that Krebs um, what Krebs means um, to like the translation of it to uh, cancer to donate to cancer research. It just seems like a very bizarre but kind of poignant sort of thing to protest while also um, being nice, I guess. I mean, that's not pocket change. Uh, I think it's uh, demonstrating uh, just uh, how much good faith a community has and uh, how they're willing to back an idea. Oh, absolutely. Um, did anybody read the one that was about uh, the software bug behind the um, phone outage through level three? There was basically a bug that the software um, saw an empty field as a wild card, and somebody didn't enter uh, a number that they were supposed to somewhere, ended up blacklisting a bunch of numbers, um, and caused a giant outage through that. It just seems really strange to me that they would just leave an empty field as a wild card. In what programming language is an empty field a wild card? I don't know. I do not know. I'm not talking today. That's very strange. Like, if you think in, in terms of a SQL injection or something, maybe if it closed off a query, you know, where law equals zero, that would be uh, like a wildcard. But I can't really think of any language where white space is wildcard. Yeah, no, it's really, really weird. Okay. Yeah, I thought you were talking about um, I guess we can just start getting into the main two topics that we wanted to talk about today. Um, which were not Dan or anybody here. I'll unmute you. Um, do you guys have anything to say about the Drupal bug and the quest for the POC? Can y'all hear me? Dan? Is it... Hi, I can hear you. Yeah, you can hear me, right? Yes. So I abandoned the uh, the bridge for the moment. If anybody calls in on it, I'm watching it. If anybody wants to call in on the bridge, they can uh, later on. But for now, fuck it. Hey, yeah, uh, sorry. I realized I had you muted the entire time. <laughs> uh, well, it, there was nothing but garbage happening anyways. Yeah, dubstep. <laughs> oh, oh, did it go to the hold music? I'm sorry. Well, oh, okay. I, 
I don't have any monitors here. So anyways, um, yeah, the Drupal thing, I mean, we we were going to set up a server so that we could play with it and uh, and do our own thing. But so far, uh, just in the free time that I've had to play with it, I, I haven't gotten it to do anything interesting. Um, it's, it's something that I don't think anybody's gotten uh, anything extremely interesting to happen. Um, by now, somebody's usually released uh, proof of concept just for fame. Um, and that, that, that kind of goes back to the original thing of disclosure, but nobody's released anything yet. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I feel like if somebody did at this point, they might... Oh, I was muted, sorry. I feel like if somebody did at this point, they would maybe hide that for themselves, unless they were trying to look for fame. But if they really want to just own all the vulnerable servers with it, then they would maybe keep that secret. The thing is, it, I would think that it would uh, be caught in logs by now. Like, there's enough people watching that I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if it's, like, a really arcane thing. I don't know. Do, who's in... I know the people in here have looked at it other than me. Yeah. What do you think? Like, what, what is the skill level needed to actually exploit this and weaponize it? I sort of assume you have to have a, you know, familiarity with, with people. I mean, more than like I do. I was able to read the patch, the patch notes, and it seems pretty obvious simple patch so surprised well, no one come out so with that is kind of one of the interesting parts though is the way they patched it is really generic um they they didn't actually patch the specific vulnerability they patched an overarching issue like they just did a total like a a really high level approach, which is actually a really smart idea uh, because it makes it more obfuscated and it makes it harder for people to create weaponized exploits from the patch diff. But yeah, they just, they, they made an overarching like uh, control to, to stop any bad characters coming through, any, any escape characters, things like that, then put a sanitization thing in place. Yeah, so the way I read it, I mean, it looked like it was the um, pound sign Octothorpe. If if they see that come in as the um, you know, index zero of user input, basically the only change that I saw. And it, and and you're right, they applied it to. It looked like everything, just any any input from user land, they they check for that uh, pound sign. Was it like a like a, te a template injection? Like I, I saw the Grey Hat Tech thread where someone showed a, a basic demo and it showed like you could call an arbitrary file, just like a standard PHP file inclusion, but using some Drupal formatting around it. Oh, I didn't see that. Or was that on, that was on Grey Hat? Grey Hat Sec forum. Cool. Yeah, no, I didn't see it, but yeah, you're right. It's something to do with the template. Uh, actions, something like that. I got a major case of deja vu going on right now. 
All right. Um, so maybe we should, because the the big kind of elephant in the room is the disclosure thing that we mean to talk about. So let's start by talking about Panera Bread. So now I'm, assu I'm assuming that everybody by now has read the article and seen the saga on Panera Bread. Um, so does anybody have anything to say about this? So your lesson for you, if you're, you're interested. Wait, can you say that again? Am I coming in all right? Yeah, you're, you're okay. Sounding a little broken. I have that small little history lesson. It's kind of one of the earliest uh, examples of violent disclosure. Okay. Okay. So way back in the day, 1903, there was actually an lecture in the Royal Institute of London. Mm -hmm. A uh, radio expert named Macaroni actually pretty much said, yeah, he figured out how to actually do radio securely. And more or less, he was actually going to do a demonstration of it. This pretty much, he was going to actually be about 300 miles away in Cornwall, transmit via Morse code and go like, ooh, ah, it's here. Unannounced to him at the same time uh, as one of his rivals, Neville. Um, he's actually kind of a musician inventor. He actually uh, was a uh, manager of pretty much a rival radio company. He was a little taken back on that. So what he did was he actually uh, transmitted just right before when uh, Macaroni transmitted. And he said rats in Morse. And actually followed it up. It says, uh, there was a young man from Italy who diddled the public quite pitily. Now, basically what happened was uh, Macaroni was relying on a fine-tuned radio. So essentially he was looking at a small sliver of the bandwidth. So what uh, Neville actually figured out was, hey, if I can just go ahead and just broadcast this really, really wide-ass signal and do more sweet code, anything will pick it up. And what came out of that was pretty much he was super embarrassed. He did, there was a whole bunch of fighting after that, but it kind of opened up the discussion of uh, more concept idea or more secure ideas for uh, wireless uh, security before World War One. Yeah, I mean that's a huge. I really, um, I really like that story, Peg. That was a good story. Oh, thanks, man. It's a little history lesson from Pike. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it was it's crazy how how much they had to really up their game with um you know wartime radio especially developing um like frequency hopping and things like that um to evade detection because i mean everything that goes over the air is you can just pull it out of the air still pretty much the case today you know of course no Morty's right about that a lot of things are still actually broadcast. I mean, not Dan was talking about how his local PD was like, oh, hey, we got this guy's social security number and we need these passcodes over their net. It's an interesting idea that uh, police, you know, talk over uh, encrypted, encrypted channels. Like I always sort of took for granted that, um, you know, radio traffic from uh, public public servants was in the clear and you could listen to it um, really considered um, I want your social security number going over the air but now they rarely you know information out there and it's just sort of I don't know it's just interesting no it is interesting, rather <laughs> um so yeah, the the main 
thing with this one, this is an example of uh, what we would call violent disclosure, but it tends to happen when people don't get listened to. So the story, um, if anybody hasn't read it yet, is a really great article on Krebs and security. Um, basically, a security researcher had contacted Panera Bread in August asking them to look into a, um, an API endpoint that exposed a bunch of different um, customer data. And so if you read through the Panera, um, the Panera Bread article on Krebs and this medium, which I'm pulling up right now, share into the chat, this um, the researcher had written about what happened and he basically emailed them and they originally thought he was a scam and he was trying to get money from them and they didn't take him seriously. And then when they finally did accept his report, um, they pretty much blew him off for a good eight months or so. And when he finally got fed up of trying to communicate with them, realizing that it wasn't fixed, he just made a pastebin and sent it over to Krebs and to some other people. And uh, now we, we got to see it yesterday live where there was just so much information about people being able to be, you know, publicly or gleaned from this data source here, um, including like social media integrations, credit card, party credit card numbers, emails, phone, favorite locations, other sort of, uh, you know, details that you wouldn't want to just be available by a convenient API. Um, and so then the whole story ended up turning into a pretty big shit show of just, you know, people who were kind of, um, trying to brush it off as if it was like wasn't as many people but I mean from our estimates it was about 24 million but then Krebs had also reported that it was more like 37 million accounts that were um, exposed or people's information was you know exposed which is quite a lot of people you know um, it was Panera I mean everybody goes to Panera at some point in their life I feel um, so yeah I mean it's also they... all their employees too because most people who work there as 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 someone who's worked at Panera, most people that work there also have accounts because you can get free rewards. Oh yeah. Like because like buying your lunch at mm -hmm. work. Oh yeah, of course. Counts even though you get the discount. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but this so this is an example which will lead us into our topic of of disclosure of what we have termed violent disclosure, which is a disclosure that could be potentially very destructive. Um. And hold on. Um, one second. Okay. Word up! Wait, he is muted. One second. Um, not Dan, you're gonna have to unmute yourself. Hmm. Let me check. Yeah, you wanna check it out, Link? Um, yeah, we're trying to figure out what's going on here. There's some weird Discord issues. So, um, yeah, this goes into the topic of violent disclosure. Violent disclosure is disclosure that could potentially be destructive. And, you know, it's usually a last resort for people when they don't get listened to, but when it happens, this is where the headlines come out. And so people on here have had different experiences with, you know, disclosure in various forms, whether it be through, you know, bug bounties, through, um, you know, building a rapport with CISOs and developers. Uh, and sometimes it comes down to just releasing a video and adding the company that you're, you're targeting in on Twitter. Um, but no matter what we do, a lot of people here are in it to, you know, do the research, to find vulnerabilities, or sometimes we just stumble ac across them in our in our travels, and then do the right thing, and there's varying degrees of success to that. 
So, um, you seeing? He's, he's okay. Um, so yeah, uh, I guess we'll start opening this up here. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what is disclosure, and I'd like to introduce also our guest. So, uh, Charade, hello. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself or whatever you would like to tell us about yourself or what you do? Um, I'm an assistant district attorney in, in Georgia. Um, I prosecute in the major crime felony division. My name is Leela. Um, I've been an attorney for about seven years and have been prosecuting for about four. Have realized that trying to fix the system from the inside gets me a lot farther than trying to convince someone else to do it for me. That's why I'm on this side. Hell yeah. Yeah. Welcome. Awesome. Being arrested. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, yeah, I was like, cool. I got my audio working just in time <laughs> to get arrested. Yeah. But welcome to the show, though. That's awesome that you're here. I'm glad to have you. So, yes, welcome to the show. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Um, thanks. So I guess we can pepper our our conversation. So up. disclosure, like when when does it cross the line towards being illegal versus legal? And I know it. I, I guess the standard disclaimer is uh, anything on this show is not legal advice. Blah blah blah. It's personal opinion, and everything that we talk about is totally made up. Not a single thing is real. That's right. Um, that being, absolutely. That being said, we're all we're all talking like, about um, actors. Um, uh, with disclosure, the major problem is when you have a party that um, they are angry that someone has been able to infiltrate their system. That normally happens, at least in my experience when they're not aware of it beforehand. Um, I think that it becomes illegal when um, there's a, a request for compensation without being asked um, beforehand or when to you and says, um, I've been able to infiltrate your system, here's how I did it, yada, yada, yada. In Georgia, uh, they consider that to be illegal, which I don't agree with, but um, so you know, that, that's kind of where the threshold is. And that last piece that you just mentioned, is that the part of the new law? Because I know there's been probably people that have read uh, the news fairly recently that Georgia's enacted some legislation, and uh, I'm not exactly sure, to be blunt, what what was in it is that part of it new law um it's it's actually just adding a misdemeanor crime um it basically is um addressing a um people who are looking for vulnerabilities in a system have permission that's that's the big uh, to do with this is that the um, identifying said vulnerability did not have permission from 
the owner of the website or it is that they've identified a vulnerability um, counterproductive, but our laws actually track the federal statutes. Um, and so, for example, um, crazy, but normally um, we would have theft by taking if uh, somebody stole $5, but if you are a cashier, scan merchandise, um, because the system that you are using is computer-based, uh, charged with computer theft in Georgia, which is a felony, and that's a 15-year wow. felony, almost as bad as a crime of violence, which is insane. Um, yeah, it's just absolutely. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just commenting that it's absolutely insane, and it, it's a it's a really terrifying trend that uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people just leaving the country, playing because they they're researchers that do not want to spend their lives in jail for doing stuff that they love. So, uh, well, and it's counterproductive for everybody. Uh, so, what, what would you do? I'm sorry. Uh, what sort of uh... A process does Georgia currently have for bug bounties? Does Georgia have one? Good question. Uh, what bug bounty is that of, what you're asking about? What sort of process do, does Georgia have in regards to bug bounties? Um, is open process for? To my knowledge, there's nothing in our statutes bit or would specifically allow it um, pass um, and computer invasion of privacy are in the same uh, group as computer theft um, bounty system in terms of, of statutory protection for researchers would be fantastic you know it would be certainly i think a, a much better alternative than offering criminal penalties for people trying to be helpful yeah i mean i think a lot of things that people get worried about with this sort of stuff is if somebody had mentioned here in the um, chat you know how does this affect somebody who stumbles upon a vulnerability by accident like say in the panera um case that we were discussing before would that person get in trouble if they happen to find this on their own, let's say, you know, by accident, even if they type the wrong thing and then, you know, were able to, you know, pivot and figure out what else was going on. Would those people be kind of held to the same standard or how is that sort of provable? How is the intent, I guess, um, uh, differentiated? Um, I think that if a, a researcher, for example, stumbled across something accidentally, made it known to the company and did not um, ask for compensation, compensation with most companies. Um, but I think that it was made clear from the beginning that the intent was not to, to make authorized access to that system that that they would probably be okay um because you based on my reading of these statutes 
they are specific intent crimes. You have to intend to make access uh, to these systems. It was done accidentally. And I would say that they would have a very difficult time prosecuting it. Now that does not mean that the police won't take a warrant because about it. And that's the major issue is that I've, I've never met another prosecutor um, who knows anything about technology at all. Um, you know, these statutes to them are written in Greek. So you have people that don't understand it trying to enforce it. And you have a background. That's, that's true right? for police as well. Know some people, sure. <laughs> so now, um, I mean, just judging by judging by what you just said with the, um, you know, people having not enough knowledge about this. So when I read this, you know, it seemed like it was something that was a response to the ransomware attacks that happened in Atlanta. And it could be some other things as well. But how do you think or how do you think that the state as a whole believes that this uh, new laws will or will be effective against cybercrime and preventing something like ransomware again. I I think that this kind of a statute actually is counterproductive to combating cybercrime. Um, researchers uh, identify vulnerabilities that, in my opinion, would lead to less cybercrime, um, less vulnerabilities uh, out there on the dark web. And, and prosecuting people who commit ransomware attacks, that's, that's one thing, but um, prosecuting people who are trying to fix a broken system, which, you know, no system is perfect. Everything's going to have bugs. I, I think that um, that's definitely the best way to go, which is why I love the idea of a bug bounty system. And I, I don't think this legislation is going to be effective at all against cybercrime. I, I think that to discourage people from coming forward when they discover these vulnerabilities and then they don't make as much money on top of it. Right. I think incentivizing rewards will uh, create a better <laughs> environment for security researchers. If, if Georgia chooses to adopt a bug bounty system, I feel as though that might be in their best interests. Uh, I think another question uh, maybe a lot of us have on our mind right now is if it was a known flaw. And if it was a known vulnerability in the system, uh, I don't necessarily know if you would classify the identification of that problem as security research. Um, should that have been known by the administrators of the system? You know here's the thing like i hear you describing it and I, I i apologize if my audio is messed up i have uh construction happening oh. randomly during this but here's the deal i'm listening to you carefully you're choosing your words carefully about how you even describe this fucking thing and that in itself is a demonstration of the problem this this it, it, let's be real about security research for a minute Nobody just stumbles upon an, a SQL injection. Like, we, we look for it. We fuck around with websites, and we find stuff. 
and we mess around with systems and we find them or we find them on Shodan or whatever, we go out of our way to poke at stuff. That's just in the nature of the geek, of the hacker, whoever, however you want to classify it. And to, to build like walls around it so that the only way it's safe is if you happen to stumble upon this injection attack, like that's insane to me. And so what George is effectively doing is saying anybody that has any talent or skill in tech get out now because we don't want you here that's what i'm hearing from georgia i agree i I agree as well um good thing is that um this bill has not been signed by the governor yet i hope that it will not be the only thing that i would say about this bill is it is refreshing to me to see at least one technology related crime that's not a felony um the fact that we're punishing people um trying to fix things that are already broken i agree i think it's insane um i think it harms the companies i think it harms uh the individuals who are are trying to make a living because ultimately a lot of security researchers they end up getting hired you know with these major companies um security um on top of that then we're burdening the taxpayers with putting people in jail burdening the individual with a criminal record so then they can't get a job think that our Pardon? Uh, I'm, this is like some at use house. Uh, so I, I just wanted to ask, like, like what you were saying. That means that any, like, even like a lot of the game companies in Georgia, because I know there's a lot of like a bunch of developers in there. They can't even really hire security researchers to even like pen test their networks or whatever. Well, that means the that means the access is authorized if they're hired to do it. Oh, okay, yeah. There, there. If if the if the access is authorized or you have you know any kind of permission from the company beforehand, you're fine. But that doesn't help, you know, the small business that doesn't realize that you know their website's open to a, a SQL injection, for example. Yeah. That's what the security I'm, researchers are able to to do. Man, so and this is in place right now, or was this something that was uh, that was proposed? And if it's in place now, it, it sounds to me like uh, people should not at all approach any company based in Georgia about any kind of security issues going forward. It sounds like that's the case. Um, it's not in uh, in effect yet. It's this new bill. Um, but our current laws are very broad and they're not interpreted correctly by law enforcement, interpreted correctly by the attorneys, defense or prosecution for the most part. You know, computer trespass is the closest that I've seen to this unauthorized computer access. Um, the statute basically says that individual uh, without authority, that's, you know, always the, the crux of it. 
and with the intention to, you know, delete or remove information or obstruct, inter interrupt, or interfere with the use of a program or data. Um, that's another. And altering, damaging, or causing malfunction to the computer network, yada, yada, yada. Um, current computer trespass laws. Um, that for the most part, as long as a person is not damaging the property um, or damaging the system, I think that, you know, revealing bugs in somebody's system is, is okay. Um, the scary thing is just that we have people that are enforcing these laws that don't know what they mean. Yeah, that's a really big thing. One of the things that I was going to ask, uh, well, actually, I'll ask MG's question first, and then I'll ask you the other one that I had. So first, what, I guess, you know, when we think about the laws that are in place that, you know, assist with the government finding or being able to look at data that's passing across borders, like, say, Google um, or Facebook, when things go to data centers outside the U.S., and so anything that falls, goes out of our borders and comes back is um, available for surveillance. But what does this mean for people that may have traffic routed through Georgia or may use, unbeknownst to them, a data center in Georgia to, say, do anything related to this? Would this affect people, researchers in other states? Um... I don't think so. Um, the way that criminal statutes normally work is that the crime has to be committed in that state. You know, there are certain exceptions to that, um, but I, I think that is okay. Um, I, I don't think that people in other states would need to worry about that. Mm -hmm. But if they are revealing vulnerabilities to um, computer system specifically based in Georgia, a company based in Georgia, or they live in Georgia and they are working on something like that without authority in Georgia, that's when they would be open to prosecution in Georgia. Okay. I said, I don't agree with these laws. Um, I, I think it's crazy. Um, but lines are well i i'm i'm hearing i'm hearing what you're saying here and all i can think about is open wi-fi like when i see open wi-fi at a cafe it, i feel like it's implied that i can i'm allowed to access it just because it is open but i don't actually have explicit authorization to get onto that that wireless network so in theory it kind of sounds like i could go to a cafe get on the Wi-Fi, browse, browse for a little bit, and then tell the the owner that, like, hey, uh, thanks for letting me use your Wi-Fi. And he could say, oh, my, I didn't authorize you to use my open Wi-Fi, uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to call the cops. And I think it, you know, the analogy is, is close to, like, what happens when a company has an exposed API, you know, like an interesting interface for their website that's just exposed. I, you know, when I, if I see something like that, 
it's kind of like open Wi-Fi. Like, well, if you didn't want anyone, then you shouldn't have put it out there for the whole world to see, Panera. <laughs> um, I I understand your analogy. I think in regards to an open Wi-Fi, I think you're going to be okay. Um, I think that when they, you know, Wi-Fi here and the the network is open for anyone to use, um, they can't come back later. Um, you're not allowed to use it, but I, I agree with with your analogy. Um, and in regards to known exploits, things like that, um, I, I would put the fault on the company if they have an issue. Um, issues if the security researchers were able to um, easily being subject to criminal prosecution. True, but but you're also sane, and um, and it sounds like most of Georgia is not. Uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and list the. I Google it really quick. Home Depot, UPS, Coca-Cola, Delta, Affleck, Southern Company, Genuine Parts, First Data Corp. All these companies are based in Georgia, and that means all these companies potentially could go to the police or local authorities, get you get a warrant out for somebody's arrest in another state country that's pretty terrifying getting uh, a warrant for somebody in an adjacent state or another country um for a misdemeanor is not going to happen um okay. so this is only misdemeanor uh, or yes, is it this, this unauthorized computer access uh legislation that we've been talking about thank God, is actually just a misdemeanor. Now, the whole statute should be scrapped, but, you know, it's... Sure. But yeah, I'm, even still, that's, it's a misdemeanor that a, an arrest can be certainly served for your, uh, your or a warrant can be certainly served for your arrest, and if you are in a connecting air uh, travel, probably would be vulnerable to... Uh, the thing I would say, though, is that a lot of the major corporations are very receptive um, at this point to people who identify vulnerabilities for them. Um, remember off the top of my head a list of, you know, all of them, but I know that a lot of the big companies, they appreciate it when somebody comes in and says, hey, you've got a problem here. And that way you don't turn into millions of people's information being distributed on the web. So when I read uh, the proposal, um, it seemed very broad. And anytime you have really broad uh, law changes, and specifically in regards to computer security, um, you're probably going to irk security researchers if they feel as though they may become prosecuted um, for merely pointing out a flaw it, it turns the problem into um, out of sight, out of mind. Or, or at least out of, out of purview for, of, of that individual. They stop talking and, and I would definitely agree. Well, and 
the thing is that a lot of states have legislation like this in place already. Georgia, up until this point, has always kind of been a safer environment of the, the laws that I was talking about beforehand. Um, it has been a safer environment for cybersecurity researchers. You know, we have a lot of um, infrastructure dedicated research. Um, I think that this is going to discourage cybersecurity research from universities um, concerning um, the best thing that I can think of is, um, you know, writing and, and speaking up the food chain. For example, um, when I became aware of this law, I spoke to my boss. Um, his voice is louder than mine. And um, I mean, it's insane to me that we're gonna punish people for trying to be helpful. Definitely. And so what was your boss's take on this? Explain it to him. <laughs> Um, he ultimately said, agrees with what I'm saying, um, but my boss also thinks pot should be legal and um, maybe hell will freeze over and that'll happen. So I think there's not a lot of transparency. Uh, I, I don't think we all have all, we, I don't think we all have the facts um, and that's a really dangerous idea because if we don't know how the intrusion happened and there's no transparency uh, to what happened, uh, it's going to be really difficult to prevent it from happening again. I hope other states, you know, are uh, something that was mentioned, uh, we were talking about this yesterday, is that like when when one state uh, creates creates a law, you know, that's like simple and easy to copy and paste, that it, it makes it easier for other states to just follow suit really, really quickly because it seems like maybe there's a state out there that has figured something out. I think that's another thing that's worrying some people is that this this stuff will and become worse as it spreads. Well, well and that's kind of, oh, go ahead. Uh, it sounds like an opportunity for Georgia um, to be able to get this law right. Um, if they're able to pass very clear change to the law that uh, encourages researchers to reach out and point out a problem bef before it becomes abused widely by nefarious people. Um, I, I think that's a good thing. I agree with you. Um, is this a waste of money for in your time and people who have like jobs to do, like this seems kind of dumb to waste like an entire day at court for. Which is why if it comes across my desk, I will dismiss the warrant. The problem is that because this new law would be a misdemeanor, most of these cases are gonna be handled in um, solicitor general's offices. Uh, and the solicitor generals, for the most part, know absolutely nothing about this kind of legislation. They don't know um, anything about the 
uh, cybersecurity community. And so, you know, they're, they're going to harp on ridiculous things like this rather than prosecuting what we should be prosecuting, you know, homicides, child rapes, that kind of thing. Um, something that's pretty common uh, is is a impetus or like a legislation gets introduced, and and I, one of the interesting ones for computer security is for the most part, unless something really insane happens, there's not a lot of new laws. I don't think. Um, is there anything that you could point to that that drove this? Literally just people making kind of trash legislation, which is known to happen to. Um, I think it's a combination of trash legislation and um, nationwide fear of um, cyber crimes. Have a, a nation of people who they see the word hacker and they automatically think criminal. Hacker doesn't mean criminal. It means manipulator. It means that you know how to manipulate a system vulnerability or any other types of things. Um, but it does not automatically mean criminal. Um, understand that. And so it's, it's already become a snowballing thing across the country. Um, and I, I think that these incidents of, you know, ransoming systems that get so much media attention, stuff like that, makes it a lot worse. Um, the, the media attention that, um, you know, happens when somebody's phone gets accessed or pictures get out there or, you know, insert random thing here. Um, it just, it is scary to a lot of people. Um, because they don't understand it. Consequently, they continue writing their congressmen to put these nasty hackers away and that kind of thing. And then we end up with bullshit legislation. Um, the, other, the other major issue is that we have people writing these bills that don't understand the technology. Um, following through, you know, law enforcement and um, prosecutors, even the defense attorneys that don't understand the technology, don't understand the role that a cybersecurity researcher plays cybercrime. Um, so I, I think that that's the, the major problem. The authorized uh, access you're out of criminal territory. Sure. But, um, I think it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think everybody would agree. Um, even the uh, even the most the most cautious uh, researcher would agree that it's uh, it's needless worry um, for doing something that largely gets uh, gets companies and businesses security posture in a better place and so to punish those people is a really interesting interesting road to travel but i guess we'll see how it works out um so one thing that's uh, a little bit kind of scary is that the 
when when legislation is passed to criminalize something, it takes a long time to usually get it to go away. Uh, for instance, the the weed laws in the country are starting to ease up a little bit, but that's taken like how many decades, right? And so, even just this misdemeanor that just got approved, I I can't possibly even see a scenario where even if a bunch of people got together and said this is a bad thing, it gets revoked or or passed uh, or, or reversed at any point. Is that is that a misconception on my part, or is that something that uh, change anytime soon? Um, our hope at this point is that it hasn't been signed into law. Um, lot of stages that it would have to go through to become a law right now it's just a bill that's been proposed by the house um but your concern is as you said that it does take a while to get legislation fixed when you have a bad bill um uh, the marijuana laws that you were just referring to you know, it's it's one of those things where um, thought that it was crazy that we're going to put people in jail for having in in Georgia we measure it in ounces, less than an ounce of marijuana in Georgia is a misdemeanor. If you have eight grams on you, it's it's felony uh, grade manufacturing or possession. Um, um, why we would put someone in jail, cost the taxpayers money, cost the individual money, sitting in their home and having marijuana in their home. I mean, I just, I think it's crazy. Um, this kind of legislation, unfortunately, is common throughout the country. Um, I'm talking just generally our legislation, um, especially when it comes to criminal criminal laws, um, they're typically very broad. It's taken years and years in Georgia, for example, to um, like our our rape statute. Um, uh, it's crazy, but. Um, our, our legislation typically across the country in the U.S. is very, very broad. And that is problematic because broad laws can be interpreted a lot of ways. But he who reads it differently than I do, um, differently than I would. Sure, yeah. And, and uh, there's a huge... Uh, I would I would call it a huge number of people that abuse it. Uh, it those laws are are perfect for abuse. They're a perfect way to um, abuse power. They're a perfect way to uh, get attention. There's there's a lot of badness that comes along with them. So what, on that uh, note, hold on. Um, who do you think that that misdemeanor legislation? Who do you think that benefits in the long run? Yep. Good point. Absolutely no one. Um, I, I don't think that anybody that we have another 
criminal penalty for something that should not be criminal. Um, the only reason that I, I say that I'm happy to see a misdemeanor, I've always thought like the computer theft statute I was talking about where the cashier doesn't scan the $5 worth of merchandise, a, a felony that's punishable by up to 15 years. All of these statutes are punishable in years. Um, and it's it's something that is is really worrisome to me that we have nothing to plea it down to. Like with the computer theft, I would automatically making misdemeanor grade if I was going to prosecute that. But you know, it's it's something where right now there's nothing on the books like computer trespass or inv computer invasion of privacy um, that isn't a felony. And if it's anyone, I just think that the current laws that we have are, I think that we need penalties that we can work with. Um, minimums and automatically having no option but to felony charge doesn't benefit anyone. So now um, I would like to know uh, what you think about a researcher disclosing findings um, to the public when a company doesn't respond positively or at all. Um, that could be a potentially slippery slope. Disclose it to the public just because if there's a known vulnerability and um, would be liable if somebody uh, used that vulnerability against them, they would be liable for that. For an independent researcher to put that information forward um, to the public, I think uh, get them charged with a, a criminal offense. Um, and uh, as it would put that information out there for the black cats automatically. Um, I would is say that, don't do that. <laughs> is that a crime? To put information um, out there that, that could lean towards being used for black cats? Um, at least in Georgia, which tracks the federal statute, it would fall under computer invasion of privacy, um, computer forgery, or um, password disclosure system, something like that. Um, the computer password disclosure um, says that any, any person who discloses a number, code, password, or other means of access to a computer, knowing that such disclosure is without authority, um, then they are our uh, computer password disclosure, which you know doesn't really describe the crime properly, but um, so that's pretty broad, though. I mean, so if you take the the actual disclosure process of uh, finding a zero day, reporting it upstream to the developer, um, I mean, you're taking that um, you know that method of that vulnerability or if you're taking a POC you're taking in a, a proof of concept exploit and giving it to someone to fix it you're still giving it to somebody 
So, I mean, it, if that, if then the Black Hat took that from, you know, wherever you like the the Bugzilla or wherever you're you're submitting that to, I mean, that's that sounds like a very very broad kind of thing, of of uh, you know, just giving somebody something that allows somebody else access. Like, how far does it go? Well, that's why I said slippery slope. Um, I think that um, to the company itself is okay. Um, if they don't respond, it's on them. Um, I was right. Sorry, but I mean, like, so yeah, giving it to a company, but in the open source world, there is there is no company. It's shared community information. You know, I mean, like, so you know, there's no. The entity yeah, yeah. There, there's no central company but it also it just sounds like the safest way to do it based on the conversation and i'm not advocating for this specifically but literally it sounds like the safest way to do things going forward is under completely anonymous methods that aren't tied to you and then you don't have to worry about it what do you get well, your I, I think that... research money from hear you well, i'm just saying like to to dan if you if you do it completely anonymously where where does your sweet security research money come from bitcoin <laughs> not not everybody does it for, for money um i, I think there are exactly. people that will do it for free for credit um but at the same time uh i i think it i think it needs to be said that if a, a server or a computer is on the internet um, and it has open resources, a website. Um, that's a public resource. It's it's that information is there for anybody to look at. Angry. Um, but that's your opinion, right? And so, if there's any an aggressive, uh, if there's an aggressive attorney general or or not attorney general, but if there's an aggressive prosecutor or an aggressive uh, or if you've made aggressive stances towards um, federal authorities or even local authorities, that gives them a, an, a feeling of personal attack and they'll find a way to come after you. That's well, also a thing. You know, and, and what I would say to that is um, something I was discussing with Jen. The best way to combat problems like this. Um, we need to educate our legislators. We need to educate our prosecutors. We need to educate our law enforcement. Um, in Georgia, sure. for example. Yeah, you better. I will. Um, but I, I think I think the biggest problem is, is if it's a public resource and if I'm a security researcher and I find a problem in it, chances are somebody else has also found that problem. And bringing it to the forefront um, is the quickest way to get it to be resolved. Um, you know, again, uh, having a, a very clear policy on what is acceptable and what is authorized is uh, likely in Georgia's best interest. I agree with you. Uh, the concern is that legislation um, especially criminal legislation, as I said, is almost never clear. Um, it's it's always open to interpretation. And so 
educating these prosecutors, educating our legislators, that, in my opinion, is our best bet. Um, um, when, is intent, when, where does intent come into this? So, like, if if I have a security uh, exploit proof of concept, and I have the best intention, and I've, I've had a, I have an email chain with a disclosure and whatnot um, that is is all positive to getting it fixed. I mean, is this something that judges take into account, or is it a case of you got caught with like half a pound of weed, you're going to jail forever? Um, I think that if you've got data that you were clearly trying to fix something that you were trying to be helpful, that judges, I mean, the judges don't normally determine sentencing truthfully. It's normally something that's negotiated between the state and um, the defense. So normally it would be... Uh, what we would agree to. Um, but I, I think it's certainly something that in the case, anybody looking at sentencing would have to take into consideration because if your intent was not a criminal one, this looks to me to be a specific intent crime. Um, you know, you have to intentionally um, and without authority access the computer system uh, do so, you know, offensively, which ambiguity in law is a, is a very slip. Uh, I, I think clear law makes all the difference here. Um, if you want uh, security researchers uh, to be advocates for Georgia, I think clear law uh, that can't be miscued um, is probably, again, a, a really important uh, topic. I think, um, I think one of the interesting well, parts about this one is it's not a terribly difficult one for the security community and the hacking community to kind of rally around and, and to put it bluntly, bully Georgia into to backing down on this. It's a misdemeanor thing. Like, it's not that big of a win for them anyways. But the overarching theme of it is constant legislation that doesn't make sense. And I think one of the one of the things that would hopefully be of use is contacting your local uh, your local representatives and uh, telling them that this sucks because I, I like who did this one come from? Do we uh, know? I'm looking over the article. I don't see it specifically. I'm not sure which jurisdiction actually initiated this particular bill. Um, it's for 315, right? Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Have what's called the Prosecuting Attorneys Council of Georgia. Um, all prosecutors, whether it's um, a solicitor or an ADA, um, we're all members of what we call PAC. PAC has a number of people who are in our Congress. Um, I've reached out to those people, meaning um, that this bill is, is extremely problematic. It's way too vague. 
Um, and on top of that, I think it's counterproductive to combating cybercrime completely. I, and thank you for doing that for sure. I mean, it, yeah, reaching out to them in that format and then also having the big hitters like IBM, uh, Dell SecureWorks is there, Cisco, like there's some really heavy hitters that can get behind this and just kind of tell Georgia lawmakers that this isn't acceptable at all. It's just not. Well, and the, the other potential solution, um, and I mean, it's not a solution, but something that could combat the problem. We have to take uh, every year um, a certain number of hours continuing legal education. Doctors do continuing medical education. We call them CLEs. The prosecutors, we have a summer conference and a winter conference. And um, at these conferences, they're normally three or four days. And um, you know, we have to attend seminars for a number of different topics. I've, I've been asked to speak at them before. So um, I've actually reached out and said that I would like to do um, on cybersecurity and on technology laws so that we have for people that typically don't know what this means. Um, you know, I, I hate all the misconceptions um, and, and the labels, you know, as I said, they and they automatically think that it's, you know, someone that's going to take down your network and ask you for $5 million in Bitcoins. You know, clearly we all know that that's not the case, um, but I think educating our prosecutors and uh, police often come to it as well and educating our law enforcement help um, in terms of how harmful bills like this could be. Um, hope is that our legislature would um, yes, alternatives to felonies. You know, like for me, um, if I get a computer trespass, um, I, I do a criminal trespass kind of thing, which is a misdemeanor. Um, if it is something that, you know, I have to prosecute, we just don't have anything generally that we can, uh, let somebody plead to that's lesser than a felony. So I, I think so, our best bet is education. That's actually it. And that in it, specifically framing it that way that okay this is this is a pretty garbage law but at the same time it's also the only misdemeanor that makes sense for me to uh certain types of cases down to then it, it can i guess be a tool uh for good but well I, if it's rewritten uh, oh i see okay that I'm reading it, um, I have concerns for the, you know, cybersecurity researchers. And, you know, as I said, I, I think that that's um, certainly counterproductive to what they're trying to accomplish. The legislature just doesn't know any better. So 
know, the the best thing to do is to try and get this bill um, not enacted in law and to educate our uh, prosecutors, our law enforcement and our legislature cybersecurity um, and having uh, people that, that are willing to speak to them and educate them about that. A big difference. Um, I heard a, a really nice quote. Um, this was from a federal judge and he said, uh, it takes a thief to catch a thief. How likely are you to, uh, for example, work with uh, people that might be prosecuted under this new law? Um, I would absolutely work with people that would be prosecuted. Certainly there were um, theoretically times when uh, would have uh, been prosecuted <laughs> under this. <laughs> um, theoretically, but... I, I, I know that too, yeah. There's, I, <laughs> there's a few people in this chat, I'm going to guess, that also have theoretically known people. So that's awesome to hear. I mean, I, honestly, I got to say, this is like one of the most uh, cool conversations I think we've had so far. And I mean, we're getting, we're getting a perspective that is not normally afforded to anybody, let alone uh, a group of a group of enthusiasts and kind of hackers that we are. So again, thank you for, for that. Yeah, thank you awesome. very much for coming and, and talking to us. There's been a lot of chat in the Twitch chat and people asking questions. We've been working a lot of them into our chat here. And if anybody does have any more questions to ask, um, please leave them there uh, in the chat so we can go through them. But what I, what I wanted to kind of do as well, um, if you guys were, were down for this, is so that we, we were thinking about you know, what are the different challenges that face people like us when we do find or disclose bugs? And, you know, we've all had different things from either being ignored or not taken seriously or being threatened with legal action. And sometimes it's, we're just doing this out of the goodness of our own hearts. But how would we like to see it, I guess, in the future be handled? And having somebody who does understand the legal system you know, how, maybe we could, you know, think of ways that we'd like this stuff to be handled. And then maybe, Charade, if you could comment on that and see if that's even feasible or understandable, that'd be cool too. Because there's been a lot of times when I've been afraid to theoretically report things that I've found because it's of experiences I've had in the past of being potentially threatened with legal action through very bizarre ways. Sometimes it's through trespass. Sometimes it's through... You can't disclose this because by reporting it to us, it's now our intellectual property or, you know, um, you'll have to, you know, we, we can sue you for X, Y, and Z. And to me, it just seems like a lot of the times there's, there's not really a precedent for a lot of this stuff beyond the, you know, inflated numbers and damages and the, you know, other really harsh sentences that get put on people. So because there's no precedent for you know, trespassing that's handled in the same way, it seems to me like a lot of companies sort of just make up what they want to do to go at you for something, even if it's you reporting something. Um, so, I mean, does anybody else have any sort of thoughts on that, of how you would like a company, if, say, if you were to address, uh, I don't know, a state government or, you know, a company in Georgia um, for something, how would you like them to go about that? 
really cool project that uh, recently got uh, created and brought up, and it's uh, actually RFC now. I think it got passed as like an actual submitted RFC, but securitytext.org. It's a it kind of addresses this and some uh, not necessarily the whole idea of like uh, how it just I guess kind of like a way that like in the future something that I think I'd like to see. Uh, basically, like what security text is is uh, if you think of like you know robots.txt for like uh, kind of like stored files and web servers, security.txt is like a uh, contact information. It, it has guidelines for websites to contact us regarding security issues. Here's our policy regarding security issues. It's not necessarily like a per se, but it's more of like guidelines for responsible disclosure, right? Uh, so like moving forward, I think projects like this and like kind of like the general adaption of like how to be contacted and like uh, how companies should like, they not that's like, you can hack our website, but every company should have clear guidelines on how and like what they want to like see, I guess. Uh, if you want to look into this a little bit more, it's just a really cool project. I agree with you. Um, and I think having uh, companies being open to it is going to be a, a big help it's in their their best interest to have people trying to fix problems in their system um they're able to get jobs uh doing cybersecurity because they've been able to find vulnerabilities um i think that it's you know mutually beneficial to everyone involved um or are willing to do that um Definitely. What do you say out there to the kids that um, that are uh, doing doing what a lot of us used to do or still do, which is is poking around at sites just for fun? Like, I mean, again, I, I listed off a few UPS, Home Depot. Home Depot has been just hit so many times, right? But what about the kids that are are messing around with Home Depot and looking at their site and finding vulnerabilities for fun? And I think thinking about disclosing them or tweeting them out without really knowing the ramifications. What's your what's your best advice for them if they're listening? Um, Go ahead. My bad. Um, advice is um, if they want to keep the vulnerability to themselves. Um, if they want to alert uh, the company, Home Depot, for example, uh, to the vulnerability. Um, right now, as I said, this is just a bill. It's not law yet. Um, you know, there are laws in place, but they don't cover things like uh, unauthorized access without damage as long as it's not extortion. So um, if they want to poke around for fun, you know, or. 
So mm-hmm. you, it's interesting you, you brought up extortion just there because um, recently there's been, or the last few years, there's been a huge boom in bug bounty programs. For example, HackerOne, Bug Crowd, <laughs> Dog Crowd. Um, shout out to <laughs> any, any, any of those programs, like they're all paying out for, um, they're all paying out for disclosing vulnerabilities. So I think that some of the younger generation might now be expecting money um, for disclosing that kind of thing um like where does it become extortion like are you allowed to ask for money at all or uh, is it like you are definitely forcing you know you're, you're blackmailing them extortion is normally uh blackmail related um i would say that you know asking for compensation you know saying hey this is what i found you know if you want to uh I'd appreciate it. Um, I think that's fine. Um, just in my opinion. I think that, you know, if you come to them and say, hey, I found a vulnerability in your system. Um, this is my hourly rate. Let me know if you want it. <laughs> that's when you would have a problem. So it sounds like a pretty fine line. Fine line is not giving them the vulnerability asking for money. Okay. It's super interesting. Okay. So, uh, you know, and, and, and I'm going to focus on it for a second, just because you've, you've actually alluded to it several times during this conversation. And it sounds like it's a big deal. It sounds like that's actually a huge delineator on whether or not a case is pursued and not, not just talking about the new bill, but just in general whether a case is pursued is if it's extortion or money related, things of that nature. And so uh, it sounds like the second uh, request for money, the second, any, any kind of money stuff is involved. That's, that's almost a red flag that a case is going to go forward or at least be looked at heavily. I think that as long as the person has already disclosed the vulnerability and said, Hey, I was just messing around. I found this. This is what the, the issue is. Um, if you want to compensate me, I'd appreciate it. And it's in that order where, you know, you've already told the owner of the system, um, where the vulnerability is before asking for compensation. Okay. Um, but that would be like one of the few. That would be like one of the few times that it is okay. Otherwise, can I be not- paid in exposure? Is that against the law? Jen, I couldn't hear you, Jen. <laughs> is it against the law to be paid in exposure? Um. What does that mean? Let's define that, Jin. What does that mean for the people? Like if you say like to someone like, um, I found this vulnerability and I would like to be on your Hall of Fame or just like something that that merits like recognition or some some bullshit like that. Like a painting. Does that is that trying to extort, making a request? I I understand what you're asking now. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you correctly. Um. So I would say asking to be paid an exposure 
fine. Um, it's, it's something where you're not asking for straight compensation, but it's a resume booster. Um, I think, you know, asking someone to recognize what you've done um, um, certainly is okay. Um, but again, after you've made it public or after you've told them, not as a condition of disclosing it. Say, um, disclose it first if you want to make sure that you're safe. Um, and then at that point, um, you know, if you want to ask for compensation of any form, exposure or money, um, ask for it. If you do it the other way, it can be seen as extortion. And that's when things get prosecuted. Can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you, mate. Awesome. So I wanted to kind of ask, ask something that kind of dances around that line a little bit. Um, I've seen some instances where a vulnerability has been disclosed uh, uh, and then the, the researcher says, hey, I can help you fix this or mediate it or you know, some further added assistance, but on the condition of it being an hourly rate. Um, where can you see that diving into um, extortion? And of course, the opposite, how do you stay away from that? Yes, um, great question. I think that um, as long as you've identified the vulnerability and you say, um, this is what the problem is. Um, say, you know, at that point, I fix this um, if you want me to, or you can have your IT staff, you know, try to fix it themselves. If you want to hire me, this is my hourly rate to work with you uh, to, to fix whatever vulnerability is in your system if you want me to. As long as you put the ball in their court and it's made clear that trying to force them for you, um, I, I think you're okay. Awesome, thank you. Great suggestions, guys, because honestly, you know, I I am trying to fix it, at least here. Um, educate my peers and um, and fix the system from the inside. As I said in the beginning, as a private attorney, I would have to convince a prosecutor to do it for me. As a prosecutor, if I get a bullshit warrant, that shit's gone. All it takes is my signature. Oh, that totally rules. Just okay. just hearing the words right there, I'm sorry. That makes the entire night, the entire stream awesome. <laughs> well, it's that's just, that's the way it should be. Um, stupid laws should not be prosecuted. Um, in my opinion, the best way to fix the system is to work inside it and to try to fix it from the inside because it's it's royally fucked. It is. I think a lot of us have been trying to do that too, to varying degrees. I mean, I, I'm not sure how many of us are uh, working in, in law 
uh, or or government, but even just from a corporation standpoint, um, having this ideal that you're changing things from the inside is something that I, for a lot of us, it's the only way we're able to go to work in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's cool to hear you you doing it as well. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's. But um, as an attorney, that's the best way to go. And um, the only way that we can get the law to catch up with technology, because that's, that's the major issue, is the law is always 30, 40 years behind, is, is to educate the people writing it. Um, bad bills equal bad laws. And people that don't understand together, you've got just a hot mess. <laughs> yep. Is there is there any uh, motivation that you see that that has anything to do with um, private privatized prisons? I guess I I thought those were all outlawed, so I'm not actually sure if those are even a thing. Again, the legislation, I keep going back to why and who does it benefit, as Jen asked. And the answers are really not there. So it's really a, an interesting kind of question of why the hell this is even a thing. Um, Kendra Gibbs writing that oh, private prisons are alive and well. So is this potentially just a product of somebody that's been lobbied by some lobbying firm to uh, to, to get those numbers up? And get some more people in prison, or I mean, it, um, that's privatized that prisons these days are more limited. They are still out there, um, but at least our government is trying um, to regulate that because it's absurd that um, people have been getting rich by locking people up. But That's I, a system that can't fit. I mean, you literally just lock up your opponents. <laughs> had, you know, in the past, we've had judges and that kind of thing that own portions of these privatized prisons. And so oh then they're sentencing people to go to prison and they're making money because they're there. I mean, they say history repeats itself. I mean, it's like Salem all over again. You want your neighbor's land, just accuse them of being a witch. So, this is not going to turn into a witch hunt. Oh, uh, yeah, no, huh? I know, but I'm saying it's it's essentially the start of what that was now, and we need to be ahead of it. Well, I think I think organizing and and having these kinds of discussions openly is the first step, and the next step is really just to take some sort of action, whether it be protest or or some kind of even just calling right like calling uh these people and emailing them not email bombing we're not going to be disruptive i call and have normal conversations with people uh that are proposing these kinds of of crazy laws and they may not know how terribly stupid it is because it does have the word hacker in it and we all know hackers are evil I and mean, let's be real here they're all evil it's a joke um but uh, but but they do need to kind of know that that yeah 
that person that um that helped secure jeep's stuff yes he's a he's um he's somebody that actually considers himself to be a hacker but he's also hacking for good and i think uh motivation and and all that factors into it i think uh i, I agree completely I think that IHack Charities is a uh, a good example of an organization like that. I love that t-shirt, by the way, because people either understand it or they don't at DEF CON. And like, I definitely have seen some people come up and be like, yeah, fuck charities. Like, <laughs> wait, no, that's not what it means. <laughs> charities. Well, um, what do you, what would you say, uh, Charade, that we could do as a community here? I mean, having this conversation, we're very lucky to be able to have it with you and have somebody in the know. But as far as, you know, let's say this pops up somewhere else and it's written differently and it's written a bit more targeted um, towards, you know, people who are security researchers or people who might be trying to find vulnerabilities due to some sort of ham-fisted regulation or something. So how would you say, as a community, that people would be able to do something like this without explicitly starting their own podcast and inviting, um, you know, a CTA onto uh, their Discord? Um, what are, I guess, some other ways that you think would be noticed by lawmakers and people who are in these positions of power who would, you know, they're afraid of this sort of thing, and they're, they don't have the education, which is contributing to, I guess, the answer, but... I'm just want to hear from your perspective. Is it's always who you know. Um, thing is, you know, you can write your congressman all day long, but ultimately there's going to be some, you know, third level aide that's going to open the letter, send you a generic response. Um, really do any good. Um, Ooh, that inside baseball right there, though. That's awesome to hear. Finally, people admit that that's what's going on. Yep. Thank you. So, what is effective? I'm sorry, you were getting to that. I just I had to chime in. I love inside I, baseball <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> um, that's you know part of the reason I wanted to become a lawyer was because I I see a broken system, and so. That was kind of part of the motivation and maybe someday as long as long as some things stay hidden i'll be in politics um but um sorry making connections you got my vote i'll move to georgia and vote for you for this thank you i i plan to move back to florida that's probably a better choice let's be honest yeah we're just passing some crazy laws these days insane um the big thing is using the connections that you have because everybody knows somebody who knows somebody else ultimately networking and you know going up the food chain um even if it's just saying hey you know to somebody you've worked with that you know works with you're up you know with a big company can I come to that cocktail party with you? I hate cocktail parties. You know, it's like the most boring thing ever. Um, doing that to make another connection and then another connection. 
that's how you actually get to the people who have the ability to affect change. Um, that's really good advice. We have to go with people. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say like, so go outside and talk to people. Yeah. That's a great question. Cause uh, it typically <laughs> it's like the sun and stuff you mean. So the uh, in, in parallel to that, it's also <laughs> how you get a job in InfoSec. That's true. That is very true. You got a network. MVP's question. Do you want to uh, bring up that? Well, uh, okay. MG question on what? Sorry, he had posted something in the chat, and I was given an opportunity to ask it. Oh, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, we can hear you. I was going to kind of contribute um, what you can do if you are within an organization um, that kind of goes with the spirit of what we're talking about here. Uh, the legal aspect that is definitely uh, over my head seems pretty deep. But on the, the corporate side, you, there's, there's a lot you can do to improve the entire uh, ecosystem here, the, the industry uh, and this problem. Uh, so with with my antics with uh, Amazon, they they have asked me to come over there and also help them with their vulnerability disclosure pipeline. And basically, the the gist of what I'll kind of sum up is what Dropbox decided to do about uh, a week week or two ago, which is basically focused entirely on the vulnerability disclosure policy. Um, and it kind of inverts the whole thing. So instead of having this really broad reaching mechanism uh, from the legal side, which you can prosecute people based on, you know, wherever you feel like, the disclosure policy is built to protect the researchers. It effectively says, hey, you can do whatever you want, um, but here are the explicit things we don't want you to do because that is what we have an issue with. So um, you don't have to worry about the, the CFAA being used against you. They, explicit, they will explicitly say, you know, do not you know, execute code on the server. Very, very explicit things. And I think that is a, a nice step in the industry to, get, to go that direction. And if we can get more companies on board with that, and that's you know, what I'm going to try to do when I go talk to Amazon this week and um, trying to do it in my own company. And uh, you know, any company I have some foot in the door with, I try to propose that general direction. And I think it's a, a pretty healthy way we feel about this. I agree with you um, because the private sector, that's where a lot of the money is. And so that's when you can get lobbyists and um, that kind of thing to legislature. Um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that definitely, I know at least one person listening, it is somebody working at SecureWorks or any of these bigger security companies. SecureWorks is huge. They have reached into so much stuff. But talk to your managers, talk to your superiors at SecureWorks and get SecureWorks to say, this is bullshit to, to Georgia's legislature and, and have them speak louder federally as well. Um, companies are willing to do it if you're if you nudge them. You just got to nudge them, though. If you don't do it, they're just going to continue trying to make as most money. I agree, and you know, as I said uh, earlier on, the major problem with um, a lot of this is that it actually 
just uh, or it drains the money from our entire system. You know, our, our government does not make money to put people in jail. They actually lose money. So our taxpayers are paying to keep someone in jail for something that's stupid. It's out of jail, has a whole bunch of shit that they have to pay off, and then they can't get a job. So it's it's kind of a, a cycle. Um, and, you know, we've got a lot of laws across the country that are like that. I, I really hope that this bill does not pass. It is... Um, our legislature take another look at our current technology laws and options give us some wiggle room so that um, tech savvy aren't gonna look at this and 15 year crime, okay, I'm gonna offer 10 serve two. Where do you draw the, uh, I'm sorry, where do you draw the line between uh, speaking up and uh, whistleblowing? Um, you know, as somebody working uh, within an organization, um, you know, how do you treat that differently when they speak up in comparison to, say, someone like Julian Assange, who may not be viewed very favorably? Mm. That's okay. Whistleblowing is actually specifically protected um, by statute federally. So I, I think that uh, coming forward with uh, a problem like that to your employer and then employer is causing the problem and or does not fix the problem going to the authorities, um, at that point, you're fine. We answered so, your question. But... So, whistle, so whistleblowing versus full disclosure. So full disclosure being we just go to the internet and put it on pastebin. Um, I mean, so isn't the difference between that simply if you do or do not work for the company? Like where, what's the difference between, would you say is the difference between whistleblowing and, and full disclosure? I would say with whistleblowing, it's not normally completely public, at least the way that it's written in our statutes. Um, you know, if you just go and put a bunch of vulnerabilities on pace, then I think that opens you up to potential problems. Notifying the company, and then if they do nothing, notifying whichever organization is over them, um, the authorities if necessary, um, I think that's going to be the best bet. But that's Normally, at least in my experience, whistleblowing is uh, more contained. And, and a requirement of whistleblowing is that you do work for that company? It's normally, um, or you're an independent contractor for them. Okay, so you need, you need an existing relationship, basically. Some kind of professional relationship. Great distinctions, thank you. Oh, no problem. So I have a few uh, rapid fire questions. I think that might be interesting. And we all know the answer to them, um, but I think they're really important to uh, kind of drill into uh, people that might be listening that are uh, fame seeking, stuff like that. 
Hey, is it ever appropriate to commit a lot of felonies and then post about them on Twitter? What do you What are your thoughts on that? Um, my thought is that is absolutely ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I understand, you know, wanting props. That's fine, but um, you don't post a confession on Twitter. Um. And that's, but, <laughs> and so that's essentially what you're doing, though. Like, right, it, like I, I've been told firsthand, um, this is a great tool for us by law enforcement agencies. And I mean, just it, it, it's not rocket science that we're talking about here. But seriously, posting and gloating on a public forum is a is a really great way to get people uh, that you don't want paying attention to you. To pay attention to you. Free, absolutely. Um, the what we call bang them up Charlie cases, the ones that we, you know, we know that we're not gonna lose are the ones where we have a confession from you know the um and you know if they've gone and posted all over Twitter, ha ha ha, this is what I did. I just found this and um hacked into that and I've got, you know, 33,000 credit card applications. Ha, ha, ha. Um, you're going to go to jail. <laughs> well, yeah, plain enough. It's simple enough. And, like, yet yeah, there's still people that do it. There are still people that do it. Um, and they well, really screw themselves. Like, uh, uh, what about stealing a bunch of credit cards and then going on the dark net? It's the dark net, right? So it's safe. You guys don't know about that yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll, um, we'll leave that at that. <laughs> all I that have to say, um, unfortunately, the technology is there. Everybody knows there's rats on the exit nodes. But nice. Is is really safe, unfortunately. Um, if you're Mac, you can spoof your IP and um, take every precaution necessary. Um, if there is a shred of anything that can tie you to an account. I go to jail if you're busy boasting about it and um i would discourage uh your generation from doing things like you know hacking into cell phones and releasing nudes oh mm. <laughs> you know it's it's just one of those things where um catching up in terms of uh fully prosecuting a lot of those crimes um it's just not worth it i believe an example of uh the whole hacking cell phones and releasing nudes that ended in jail time was uh is anyone up.com the the hashtag nbhnc no butthole no care um those guys are in jail right now i believe if anyone's familiar with that case oh what is it called uh, i'm not familiar with it actually 
was a it was a website called isanyoneup.com and they would release uh, nudes of um, they would basically either bait people well it would appear on their website that they were baiting people and sending nudes specifically some people like B grade celebrities and whatnot mm. um, and and posting them and it, it turned out that one of the people involved with that um, site was actually hacking cell phones and, and posting the nudes. And I believe both of them are in jail. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great way to go to jail. You're posting, first of all, somebody's, uh, somebody's most intimate, uh, things that uh, be okay with it, uh, or, or be kind of freaky in that way. I'm not saying that it's me, but it's me. Um, but, <laughs> but if there's, you know, you're, 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 you're taking somebody's most intimate moments and putting them out there, uh, whether they're a celebrity or not, at some point that is going to catch, uh, up to you, but doing it to a celebrity is, is just an instant magnet for law enforcement to say, Hey, can we help? Um, that's just going to happen. I agree. So we're um, getting to the end of the chat here. Does anybody have any questions or comments or anything related to this you want to throw in before we get off at 1130? Anybody in the chat also on Twitch or on Twitter, if you guys want to throw any last questions, now's your chance. Um, I mean, one of the things that I was thinking was, I guess, what are sort of the the needs that you would think that state and local governments have that would be able to be addressed by people like us. Because as far as education goes, I know that there's quite a few different things that people put out for, you know, best practices and stuff, but how do we, as people who, you know, are, are affected by this, how can we get that information over to state and local governments and how can we actually help apply that is there any sort of good way that you would think we could do that like say creating presentations or streams or you know informational pamphlets or whatever people would want i guess i'm kind of curious i think creating um creating um presentations all of that kind of thing distributing it as widely as possible um um, but I think that it's who you know. And so um, information into the hands of people that can do something about it is, is the tricky part. Continuing to distribute that information, being willing to come in and speak. You know, like I said, I'm, I volunteered to, you know, teach a seminar at, at all the conferences on uh, cyber crimes because somebody needs to to do it that understands it. Um, and there's that I've prosecuted, we've never had one. Um, so I, I think that, um, you know, that reaches all the prosecutors in the state. Um, Absolutely. Is, is there any um, while while you're you're specifically on that piece of 
of promotion and, and helping advocate. Do you have like a Twitter or, or a site or anything that we can help promote to uh, to raise awareness and, and kind of follow some of the things that you're doing? Honestly, I have a Twitter. I think I logged into it once. <laughs> um, okay. So not Twitter then. <laughs> I'm, I'm very careful with social media um, just because, you know, the first thing they said in law school um, first day was, you know, if, if you have a picture on your Facebook of you holding a beer or you in a bathing suit. Um, and so I have consequently been very, very careful about social media. I post almost nothing on social media. Um, Good job. The people. I was just saying fair enough. I'm, I'm not sure what Decoded said, but that uh, makes total sense. Excuse Congratulating you for not using social media. <laughs> Thank you. Um, ben, sorry. Be better upset than most hackers. For real. Do you have any that you would recommend then? Uh, any sites or any organizations that you really are behind? Let me think on that because I want to make sure that, you know, anything I recommend is, is legit. Um, I haven't found very many. Um, but that doesn't mean that one can't be created. Would you consider EFF to uh, be kind of on the right, right path? Or do you think that they're, and, and I, maybe that's kind of a loaded question, but do you still need time to think, I guess, maybe as a good follow-up? I, I, I like EFF. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, the information is, um, very straightforward. I, I thought the articles that I've read so far all been fair. Um, they voice legitimate concerns um, community as a whole. So um, I, I think it's definitely a, a good site. Um, very cool. Yeah. Being lawmakers to read something like that. We have to put stuff in formats that's actually going to reach them. We think about uh, just a just a. You don't have to think too hard on it, but what do you think about uh, crowdsourcing lobbyists to do to do our bidding as citizens? The problem is the obscene amount of money we would have to pay them. <laughs> oh man, it's expensive. Okay. The lobbyists are absurd. They are so ridiculous. Um, oh, they'll sell a gun to a 12 year old if you pay him enough money. About how much? Like, like no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> I would not doubt it though. Lobbyists. <laughs> I would like to buy all of my lobbyists with Bitcoin, please. <laughs> <laughs> So here's a question, uh, I guess, before the show ends. So on, on the case, like the, the use of Bitcoin currently, I mean, this is along the lines of we probably all know the answer, but uh, how, how secure in, in like, how, how many, or not how secure, have there been cases that you've seen where uh, people have used Bitcoin thinking that they're going to be totally anonymous and being not totally anonymous? Um, 
I've seen that happen, like when uh, people break up and somebody is distributing nude photographs or something like that of an ex-girlfriend and they think it can't be traced because, you know, they sent it through Snapchat or something. And I've, I've seen that happen several times um, by people who aren't really very tech savvy. They, you know, just so. Um, um, Can you repeat that? Because you cut out in the middle of it. Oh, sorry. That I've seen it with people that aren't really tech savvy. They don't understand that thing is deleted after a certain period of time doesn't mean that somebody can't save it. And it can always be traced back to them. Um, anonymity on the internet, unfortunately, is extremely difficult to achieve, even for people that really know what they're doing. It really doesn't exist now. You know, back 15, 20 years ago, Frontier, and um, it was supposed to be anonymously exchange ideas and further our society. Um, we've kind of lost that dream and um, just scared. Agreed. What's um it is it so I heard a statistic uh, a while back that the the federal prosecution rate I think is ninety percent. If something comes across uh, your desk, is it is it essentially the same kind of rate? Um, in that you'll either work out a deal where they are still pleading guilty to something, or or actually get a guilty conviction. Are you talking about all crimes, or are you talking specifically about cybercrime? Uh, if, if, if you know the delineation between both, that'd be great. I'm, I'm curious to know if there is a big difference actually, um, now that you ask it that way. <laughs> Office, um, I handle pretty much all of our tech related crimes. My boss, you know, knew about my background when he hired me. Um, can say that in the four years that I have prosecuted, um, I have never had anybody plea guilty, somebody of anything like computer trespass. If I get like a computer fraud or a computer theft kind of case, I let them plead to a misdemeanor if they really did steal something. Or sometimes I'll just bring the person in and say, boy, I was really stupid. Don't do that again. <laughs> um, and then I dismiss the warrant. Um, this warrants all the time. If I think that the law is stupid, if I think that, um, you know, didn't do it or the evidence is flawed or, you know, any, any reason I, my favorite is with pot cases. Um, if there's more than one person, um, I, I dismiss it because you uh, you can't say that it belonged to just one specific person. <laughs> Equal access to the drugs. That's the analogy that I use. Um, Love, it. Love it. That's quite fair. I like that, yeah. It, it's common sense, real 
justice though like this this is the type of thing that i honestly i swear to god and probably most of the people listening have never even considered that this still exists in this day and age i'm gonna be honest yep well everybody's not jaded um on most crimes that or most cases that i take to trial i don't lose very often i haven't a while but the most common cases i take to trial they're going to be the child rape cases they're going to be the homicides they're going to be you know things like that where i need to take someone dangerous off the street bullshit cases even if somebody's guilty of doing something if the law is stupid i'm going to kick it for some you know reason that i come up with and did something wrong I'll try to find a way to make it right without giving them a record that's going to prohibit them from being able to go to school or get a job or, you know, things like that, because it follows you. So I try to come up with alternative resolutions. Um, majority of the stupid cases. That's, that's, it's, it's really it's something that i think everybody should kind of be blown away by uh that's that's not um that's not terribly common unfortunately and that's uh we need more of this so if uh, our new group of prosecutors (laughs) if we can just keep it quickly Sorry, Dan. If we could quickly just uh, go back to last week's episode um, where we were talking about paranoia and, um, and OPSEC and that kind of thing. I think one thing that many um, freedom fighters, uh, <clears throat> internet freedom fighters might, might be paranoid about is what happens if they do get caught. Um, like the extreme sense of paranoia. And I think hearing something like this is uh is a little uh, enough to dampen a little bit of that paranoia for some people it's quite good well and the other thing is that um we have to think that even if the police take a warrant for an arrest and we're dealing with a group of people i'm talking about prosecutors and law enforcement that by and large know very little about technology of being able to actually build a case against you, very small. The only time I would say that it's, you know, really an exception is somebody blasting out on Twitter. Um, <laughs> For real though. <laughs> like, I mean, truthfully, they, they, they don't know how to read, you know, Mac and IP addresses. They don't know how to, you know, put you that together that? and then they'd have to explain to a jury. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Was it say that again? I, I missed. Uh, Jim, what did you? Jim is some kid who posted. Uh, he was he hacked Miley Cyrus a long time ago, and just kept bragging oh. about it on this digital gangster forums, and then got raided because he was doing that. Text he got raided. How did he get raided though? How did they know? Oh um, right, he, he kept posting say. about it. <laughs> and when he got raided. He didn't do the smart thing, which would have been to shut the fuck up. He just sat there and told him everything under the sun. <laughs> <laughs> we signed off last week. Classic. He calls Jen and I, and he's, you know, crying, and he's, 
wants us to fix that. I was in law school at the time. You know, I, I, I was like, you just need to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the lesson of the week then. Yeah, I do not honestly, like that guy at all. Honestly, we, uh, you you wrap it up, but uh, I think we should wrap it up on that tagline again. Honestly, from that, yeah. Yeah, hey, shut up to get a lawyer. Gotta shut the fuck up, or shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. But we'd like to shut thank Charade uh, here for coming in and spending, you know, over an hour talking to us about everything that we could think of. Like I thank everybody here in the chat too for having a really lively discussion. We've had a lot of really cool people um talking contributing as well um so tune in next week we'll be here on tuesday next tuesday at 9 30 uh eastern standard time you can check us out on twitter uh, it's on the stream there it's at thug crowd and we also have um a new website that we're just building up it's uh thugcrowd.com so thanks everybody again and we will be signing off now again so, thanks guys. Love you. Thanks everybody. Shut the fuck up and get a lawyer. Shut the fuck up, get a lawyer. Thanks for your time. Lawyer stuff. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for joining us. We have an IRC channel. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, no. No, we don't. Shut the fuck up, get a lawyer. <laughs> if you want to get in contact with us or Charade or anybody else, just tweet at us. And if you want us to cover any new stories, uh, tag us in that on Twitter. Bye.